Critical Thinking and the Dark Side of Academia with VT's Professor Gloria Moss, right here, right now, on VT Radio. Let's go. With host Johnny Punish. And we're back on VT Radio with the world-renowned author, Professor Gloria Moss, who also contributes to veterans, to, excuse me, VT Foreign Policy. And Gloria, we're so happy to have you on the show today. We're going to talk about your books. I know you're, you've written so many books. I think about six in total, right? Is that about right? Um, eight, actually. Eight um, books. I'm sorry. Okay, yeah. excuse I mean, me. They're quite a lot of work, Johnny, so one remembers every single one. <laughs> Perfect. Yes, yes, yes. Now, of course, I, I, today I want to talk about the two books that, uh, well, the one book that you wrote, one's called Light Bulb Moments and the Power of Critical Thinking, that one right there. And uh, we're going to talk about a book that you didn't write, but somebody called The Secret Professor wrote, uh, and it's called The Dark Side of Academia, because I want to talk about how the uh, universities are being manipulated by the corporatocracy and the governments and how they're hurting the, 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 the education of our children around the world. Gloria, let me ask you this. The, the value of critical thinking has been celebrated for centuries. You know, Einstein spoke of the need to question everything, and Jung summed up its importance as he stated, the ability to ask questions is the greatest resource in learning the truth. Yeah. You, you wrote this book, and I want to find out your findings because there's so many people around the world trying to figure out why so many people can't think clearly and see past propaganda. Can you speak to this book and those issues, please? Yeah, I think you're talking about the um, this book, the um, the, the, the light bulb moments and the power. Of there you go. Yes. Um, why can't people think clearly? Well, and well, first of all, just to establish that people can't think clearly, the OECD uh, just last year, actually August last year, carried out a survey in six countries with eight thousand students who had completed a degree. And their bottom line findings were that only 48% of those students had critical thinking skills. That's after their degree. <laughs> and as if that's not bad enough, they said that they found um, um, that the learning gain of students between the start and end of their course was small on average. And they also found, this is really interesting, big discrepancies in the critical thinking abilities of students in different disciplines. Now, governments across the world keep pushing STEM, don't they? Science and technology subjects. But actually, those were the subjects that showed the least learning gain in critical thinking, which I thought was rather interesting. Humanities, um, humanities courses are being uh, severely cut, certainly in the UK, where I'm based. Um, humanities students achieved higher scores on critical thinking than did students in um, um, fields closely aligned to real-world occupations, for example, business, agriculture, and health. So, yes, you're absolutely right. There is a deficit in critical thinking. Um, what can we lay this? What, what, what can we attribute this to? Well, oh, so many factors, yes. School, school education. Um, if, if I take the um, UK, the words critical thinking scarcely figure in the Bible of what's taught in schools. It's called the national curriculum. And you will find reference to those words, critical thinking, in only three subjects 
One is in art and design. Another is in history. And a third is in citizenship. But it should be right across the syllabus, shouldn't it? Critical thinking. No, it's not there. So children are coming out of school, and I guess it's very similar in other parts of the world. Um, children are coming out of school not having had their critical thinking developed. And you mentioned the power of asking questions. And it was Einstein, no lesser a person than Einstein, who said, question everything. And the system we have in, in a lot of education is not inviting people to question, it's asking people, to, in fact, to regurgitate, because exams are all accompanied with mark schemes. And if you look at some of the mark schemes for geography, for example, they'll give bonus points if you trot out the current thinking on climate change. But I, I, <laughs> I imagine you'd lose many of those points if you actually take issue with climate change. And, and I guess it's never been the purpose of education, actually, to develop critical thinking. Um, it was Rockefeller who famously said, I don't want a nation of thinkers. I want a nation of workers. So we need to understand when we're setting up an education system, who is running it and for whose benefit? I mean, if we were to start again, and I do think we need to start again, I'd like to see an education system that works in the interests of developing the people um, as individuals whose potential needs to be developed rather than develop, developing developing those people to be nothing more than widgets in an economic system. Are we condemned as a human species to be ignorant uh, and followers? No. Uh, and do no. the politicians know this? I, well, I mean, yes, we've had politicians talking about the value of education for the economy. We've had a school minister here in the UK publicly talking, um, Mr. Gibbs, about the value of education for the economy. And in the 1970s, there was something called the Great Education Debate in the UK, which was asking, is education there to develop minds, or is it there to develop people for the economy? And it was um, Prime Minister James Callaghan who led that debate. Well, where we are now is firmly firmly, I would say, in the, in the position of developing people for the economy. And no, I don't think, I don't think we have to stay in this place. I think we need to reform education. We, uh, and, and reforming education begins, I think, with two things. One is we need to produce new textbooks, which present information in an unbiased, critical thinking manner. And we need, then we need to produce a new public school examination. And I haven't started to talk about universities yet. This is just schools I'm talking about. That we need new textbooks and we need a new schools examination system. And why do I say that with so much confidence? And it is because um, I conducted a study looking at a range of secondary school textbooks. <laughs> and why would I do that, you might say? Well, I'd been helping somebody with French, which was the subject of my first degree. This was a student at one of the 
so-called top universities in Britain, if not in the world. And um, the weeks rolled by, and I was very amazed by the textbook, the French textbook, because what I was seeing downloaded into the French textbook, which was purportedly there to teach the French language, was what I saw downloaded was actually WEF agenda. Chapter after chapter would say, you can own nothing and be happy. Seriously, Johnny, this was all in this French textbook at one of the world's top universities. You can own nothing and be happy. You don't need to own a house. You can rent it. You don't need to own a bike. You can hire it. And there was even a, a made-up interview between a radio producer and a member of the public. And the radio producer, very different person from you, Johnny, was saying to the, <laughs> to the listener, um, why, um, why are older people more likely to believe fake news? So putting into the minds of the young reader of this textbook that their parents, who might well be on a different page from the younger generation, many of whom were following the work agenda, that this is, this is putting in the minds of the young people that the older people cannot necessarily have, cannot be trusted for their opinions. So that was, that, that alarmed me seeing that French textbook. And it then drove me to look at a whole range of school textbooks from um, English, French, uh, history, uh, through to geography, economics, and the sciences. Uh, my conclusion on looking at these textbooks, and I can make the report available to readers if they'd like, uh, my conclusion was that textbooks are to children what the mainstream media is to adults. In other words, a, a vehicle um, with which to present um, a, a certain way of looking at information. So the schools are serving the the masters, they're serving the politicians, they're serving the corporations. In the 21st century, as we move forward in the next 10, 20, 30, 40 years out, are we creating a global population of zombies? Or wh where is this going, in your opinion? How do you see this? Well, it could go. It certainly could head in that direction. And then other factors, of course, have played into this. So it's not just the school education system. Uh, the media, whether it's newspapers, which are very controlled because, it, as, as all your listeners will know, ownership of the media is in the hands of a few people who can very easily control the information that's contained there. Um, we've got the media, of course, uh, pushing the same sort of agendas as the school textbooks. But equally, uh, we have other tools such as fear. Fear actually shuts down the amygdala in the brain. That's the part of the brain that works with the frontal cortex uh, and delivers critical thinking. Fear actually shuts down that part of the brain. And, well, people have known about that since the 18th century. The um, politician Burke, spelled B-U-R-K-E, he wrote how governments love to use fear as a, as a tool of control. But it's only now that we have the science to explain how this fear 
works, that it actually shuts down the amygdala and stops critical thinking. And then, and then, of course, television has a very similar effect. There's been some remarkable research, most of it coming out of the US, um, looking at how television affects critical thinking. And it's very alarming indeed. I'll, I'll just remind myself of the um, three main pieces of research. Um, first, and this was done in, as I say, in the US, um, was done by Mal Holland in 1969. And he found that watching TV actually produces alpha waves, which means that people when watching TV are actually in a hypnotic, highly suggestible state. Extraordinary research by Mal Holland. And then just two years later, Professor Krugman, that's with a K, he showed that people's right hemisphere is twice as active as the left hemisphere when watching television. Now, that's very interesting because we all know, I think, that the right hemisphere is the side of the brain that's involved in creative thinking rather than logical thinking. So that means that when people are watching television, they're actually um, watching TV emotionally rather than um, intelligently. And, um, and not only that, but the crossover from the left to the right hemisphere produces endorphism, endorphins, which are structurally identical to opium. So this movement from left to right um, actually puts people in, <laughs> also puts people in a trance-like state. So it's not just the creation of alpha waves, it's actually um, putting people in a state that mimics the take, taking of opium. It's addictive, extraordinary. Um, so in fact, opium and morphine act on the same receptor sites as does a, a TV screen. And then finally, in 2000, um, Jacoby, again in the US, um, he found that the higher brain regions, I'll just say that again, the higher brain regions are actually shut down when people watch TV. Um, and that when people watch TV, mental activity switches to the reptilian part of the brain and can actually atrophy the brain. So Incredible. You, know, you ask, what are the factors producing this terrible decline in critical thinking or deficit education tv is another one um and fear and not just that of course we could talk about the, the wonderfully interesting so-called social psychology um studies that have shown the effects of group conformity which shuts down critical thinking big time of course. Well, as, as you get older, group conformity could wane because we have a lot of peer pressure when we're younger in, in our teen years, right? Yes. Uh, idealistically, we should be able to think better as we get older. But yes. with all the other pressures, the fear, the TV, the etc., cetera, uh, I can see how people can get lost. And I've talked to a lot of people that are completely lost. Uh, most people who do talk to me do realize I'm, I have critical thinking skills. Mm -hmm. I'm able to you know, cut through narratives. I'm able to ask questions. 
I'm able to look at things from all sides. Um, and unfortunately, uh, I don't know what you know about what's going on in the United States, but in the U.S., it's extremely polarized. Uh, and it's been caused by the mainstream media uh, making people choose sides, brainwashing people, basically. And so uh, one of the channels, um, uh, well, Fox News uh, has been sued for lying on TV for $800 million, about $787 million to be exact. Uh, because they got caught lying, so they have to pay almost a billion dollars in in, in in fees to this company called uh, uh, the voting company, uh, whatever it's called. Uh, I can't remember the name of it, but they have to pay them. Uh, a company worth thirty million dollars is getting seven hundred eighty-seven million dollars because they they were defamed and uh, their business went down. And Fox News didn't want that to go to jury trial, so right at the the moment of jury trial, they d- agreed to pay almost 800 million dollars so it was incredible it's an incredible thing that no one wants to talk about it's incredible now of course there's other it's incredible there's other channels that are doing the same thing fox news is the leader it's been leading it was the first one that come out of the box uh around the year 2000 where they started uh uh, uh, you know putting propaganda out there uh and then creating the fear for for their group of you know listeners Uh, i stopped watching it in 2004 after the Iraq war, I was like, what, what is this bullshit? And I just walked away from it. I said, I'm not listening to any of this junk. Okay. And then of course, uh, the response to Fox has been MSNBC taking the democratic position instead of the Republican position and on and on and on. The, the one channel that I do think that's making a concerted effort to just tell the news without opinion. And I've watched it carefully is CBS news. It looks to me like their corporate structure, their corporate leaders have just made a decision. But their, their anchors are not going to tell their opinions. And so on CBS News, it'll say the sky is blue and the weather is warm. And it's up to you to decide if you like it or not. Where Fox News would say the sky is blue and it should be orange because blue stinks. And let me tell you why orange is better and blue is a conspiracy and, and on and on and on. Okay. So, so those are the two differences, right? Now, uh, we used to have a guy named Walter Cronkite, the most trusted man of news uh, back in the the 60s and 70s, I believe it was, uh, 50s, 60s, 70s. And uh, the, the the companies back then looked at news as an afterthought. It was a thing that a service they provided to their, to their viewers of their television shows, but it wasn't a profit center. Well, today in the United States, it's a profit center. So it's a huge propaganda machine. And what has happened uh, is between families and friends, we're living in a world so divided that people cannot even have a conversation with their own family about the issues because people are fighting with each other and calling yeah. each other names and, and, and making each other the enemy. I, I literally have friends who think I'm the enemy if I bring them facts. I'm like, yes, because yes. the facts don't fit their narrative. It's it's weird. Like, it's just really weird. I don't live in the United States, so I keep telling them, I don't live in the United States. I have not lived there for 25 years, okay? I don't see your forest. I mean, I see the forest from your trees. You're looking at a tree and I see the whole darn thing. Mm-hmm. So, Please understand, I'm looking at it subjectively, and I'm telling you, this is the facts. That's it. You, you don't like the facts. We can debate that. You know, we could say, okay, you don't like that the economy is 3% GDP. Fair enough. We can discuss that. But you can't say the economy is 25% GDP, you know, growth, when it's only three. So you, yeah. you just have to have the same set of facts to discuss it. And that's being uh, manipulated by the mainstream media. So what do you say about that situation? It's horrible. It's horrible, and and it's not just in the U.S. I, I, I mean, I talk to many people in here in the U.K. who experience exactly the same thing. Um, I experience the same. 
you know, I, 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 I remember at a recent family event, um, I was talking to a close relative and I mentioned something about, um, um, the fact that, um, a regulatory body is extensively funded by, um, big pharma. Um, it's a very important regulatory body, um, particularly given what's been happening in the last three years. Um, and, uh, his only response was, give me a break. And he walked away. And, <laughs> and all I'd done was, as you said, John, Jolly just quoted the fact, but, but, but there may be another factor playing into this. We've talked about, what have we talked about? Education as a factor, the lack of emphasis on questioning and critical thinking. Um, we talked about television and the media and, um, fear and group conformity, which as you rightly said, may have a, a, a bigger role to play in, in childhood than later on in adulthood. Although everything you've said about division within families suggests that it still continues you know, into adulthood. But there is yet another factor, and that is personality. Um, and I'd like to share with you uh, some research that I did. And, and this is the first time this research had been done. And I'd be interested to know what you think of these findings. So um, I, I um, uh, what I did was administer or invited people to have a test administered to them, a personality test. It's called the Myers-Briggs Type Inventory, MBTI. And it was created in the US and it's the most widely used personality test in the world, which is, um, uh, which uh, not only gives um, reason for confidence, but also um, means that it comes with a load of data attached to it. Country-wide data, industry-wide data. You know, you can look up your type and there are 16 types and you can see how widely represented it is both in the world and in particular sectors in, of the economy. So it's a fantastic, fantastic test and I happen to be a qualified user of the MBTI. So um, I, I, I organise um, with others two conferences a year. One is called Questioning History and the other one is called Questioning Science. And in fact, we've got the next Questioning Science conference coming up in August. So if anybody's interested um, and is not too far away from the UK, do contact us. You can contact us at um, infotruthuniversity at protonmail.com, which is the same uh, email, in fact, from which you can buy the books that we're talking about. You can also buy them on Amazon, but if you'd like to um, buy them direct from the publisher, which is Truth University Press, you can just email info Truth University at fruitonmail.com. So um, a number of people uh, who come to this conference called Questioning Science completed the um, MBTI. And you can imagine that the type of people who attend a conference called Questioning Science will be of the questioning type. Uh, and there were people attending um, Stand in the Park, which is an initiative that's come to UK from Australia and probably in other parts of the world where people congregate on a Sunday 
uh, and in, in parks and question what's happening. So some of those people completed the questionnaire. And the results were absolutely astonishing. Um, because what, what I found was that there's a particular personality type measured by this test. And it's the name is very misleading. I'll say that ahead of telling you the name. Um, the term used is intuitive type. It doesn't mean intuitive type. <laughs> it actually means somebody who can see beyond five sense reality and can see the world of possibilities. That's the meaning of, or the definition of the so-called intuitive type in the MBTI. Okay. Now, 93% of my sample of people, there were 85 people in the sample, 93% had this intuitive predisposition. In other words, could see the world of possibilities. And that compares with, in the US, 31.5% of the general population who are of this intuitive type. So I'll just repeat those figures. In my sample of, let's call them questioning types, critical thinkers, 93% were of this um, intuitive predisposition, which is three times as many as you will find in the US population. Now, in case you're wondering, the opposite type, because for every type, there's an opposite in this test. And the opposite will help you perhaps understand what the intuitive type is a little bit better. The opposite type to the intuitive type is the so-called sensing type. And obviously in, in the States, um, we can work out the proportion of sensing um, by subtracting 31.5 from 100. And you get 68%. That's the proportion of the American population that is sensing. So just take that in for a moment. The sensing type, for them, reality is nothing more nor less than the world delivered to them by their five senses. That is the world for the sensing type. And of course, television is brilliantly adapted to the sensing type. Lovely colours, lovely images, and so on and so forth. And so... Most of these people who attend the questioning conferences or the stand in the parks are not sensing it at all. And so I, I, would, I would suggest from this research that being an intuitive type really helps. And I don't know if you can see on your screen, but this is a page from the book. I read it out if you can't, in which you can see the proportion of people in different countries maybe you can't see it, who are of the sensing persuasion. Now, I'll, I'll, I'll pick out some key figures. In France, only 23% of the population are intuitive. So over three quarters of the French population are sensing. They love their food, for example, and they dress beautifully. They love visuals. Um, um, Italy. 23% um, only of the population are intuitive. Um, the UK, it's 37%. Still 
the vast majority of the population are the sensing type, for whom reality is delivered by their five senses. Now, the big surprises which had me jumping from my chair <laughs> when I when I collected this this countrywide data came from Russia, where forty five percent of the population are intuitive. Hmm, that's interesting. It's an enormously high figure. It's almost fifty percent. It's very very different from even the twenty three percent in Italy. And um, hmm? how do you explain that? Don't know, but that would suggest that's a population that's much more difficult to control through their senses than Western Europe or America is to control through their senses. Do you have a and figure there for Mexico? Is, is there Mexico, Mexico on that list? Um, no, it's not on the list. No. Can I add it to the list? I've got Brazil, 32% sensing. Okay. Oh, yeah. I'm going no, to add it to the list. Gloria, let, let me add Mexico to the list. Let me tell you okay, why. What, what would you say about Mexico? Okay, here, here, here it is. In the United States, when you talk to uh, a citizen there and you ask them if their government's corrupt, historically they would say, what are you talking about? Of course not. You know. And in, historically in Mexico, when you ask them, is your government corrupt? You could ask anybody of the 133 million people here, and everybody will say yes. So My everybody goodness. knows the fact that their government's corrupt. Their response to it is just whatever. You know, okay, they're corrupt. What do you want us to do? But, but in America, they're completely confused about corruption. They constantly write about Mexico, that Mexico's corrupt, Mexico's this. They don't even realize that, they're, that the United States is corrupt, but a thousand times more. They're bribing officials in the United States with big money. I'm talking about millions of dollars. The Supreme Court is being bribed. The presidency is completely bought and paid for by the corporatocracy. It doesn't matter if it's Democrat or Republican. Everybody in Congress, including everybody, has been paid off by the Zionists. Why? Because they have all the money and the resources, and they're buying off congressmen to side with their agendas. But Americans think, no, no, that's not happening. It's completely happening. Okay, but they just don't accept it or don't want to talk about it or are completely or, unaware. Or don't of it. see it, Johnny, because they can't the see it. Yeah, type, you know, I, I said that only 31.5% of the American population are intuitives. The vast majority are sensing. And television is, is the ideal tool to control the thinking of the sensing type. So if we want to change the thinking of the sensing, we have to change what's on TV. Or we have to encourage people to throw their TV screens away. Away. Yes, yes. You know, the thing about TV is right now it's being controlled by Fox. They, they don't they, they only they don't only have news. They have sports, they have TV shows. They have a congl every these about three or four or five corporations control the whole mindset of, of the freaking countries. The, the mainstream countries. It's incredible the control they have. And so I think that's a big problem, you know? You got a phone call there? <laughs> Sorry. Yes. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So, so I, I think the problem is is Rupert Murdoch is, is a criminal. I mean, this guy, what's the point of making $100 billion if you're living in a horrible world? They just, they're sociopaths. They don't care. They actually don't care. And I think that's the oh. definition of a sociopath, right? 
they don't care. And maybe they're working to an agenda. Um, yeah, because they don't care. They it's their agenda. Care. Who cares yeah. if the p- people on the bottom, the poor people on the bottom, get enslaved or wage slaved or whatever? It doesn't matter to them. They're fine with it. As long as they produce wealth for the rich and the hell with the poor, let them suffer and starve and die. They don't care. There's 8 billion of us. They don't care about that. And so that's part of the problem. And that's kind of what the conversation is about, Gloria, is as we go towards the 21st century, you and I are going to be gone. And, you know, of course, we're going to live another 50 years. But let's say we don't, which is, you know, probably likely. We're not going to be around to know. But the ch- the world that we're leaving our children, is it going to be better or worse? And I, with AI and total control and Rupert Murdoch people out there, oh, my gosh. I mean, I don't know where this is heading. It's, it doesn't look good. Well, it doesn't look good, Gloria. But, but, you know, we can, we can lament the system that we have or we could work hard to try and create a better one. And you're working hard to put out good information. That's really important. You've got big, big viewer numbers. That's really important. Um, I'm working with increasingly large numbers of people to try and develop better education systems. And for that, we need... Um, uh, as I said, better school textbooks, a completely new set of school textbooks, and we need uh, a new school, sorry, and we need a new school's examination system. And um, my apologies for that. Uh, and we need, so better textbooks, better school's examination system, and we need a new university. And we, we I would hate to borrow their phrase, build back, Mm. But you know, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. This is what we need to do on our side. And if anybody's listening to this, and uh, if anything I'm saying resonates, please do get in touch and see how you can help us with what we're doing. We need uh, pairs of hands. We need resources so that we can pay people to 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 work. Um, please do get in trust in touch. And the um, email is info truth university com, um, and then um, absolutely sorry sorry one minute get rid of this um, um, yeah so it's info truth university at protonmail.com if you if you'd like to help because yeah we've we, we've fallen victim um, populations across the world to a plan hasn't been in our long-term interests. And so it's really down to us now to start peddling very hard and fast to create something that suits us. And I think this can be done. You know, it, what stands between us and a better world? Some, some really good school textbooks. Can you imagine how exciting those could be? We could have high standards. We could have history as it really is politics as it really is and we'll be looking to you johnny for that and um and you know rigorous maths uh, right now they're rolling out a decolonization agenda affecting even maths tuition uh, I mean, we, we just turn our back on that and we create our own systems parallel structures which are referred to in um Vaclav Havel's remarkable essay, um, which I, I recommend to anybody who hasn't read it, 
uh, The Power of the Powerless. And in his essay, it's short and you can get it free online, um, Harvey talks about the power of telling the truth and how the act of truth-telling immediately causes untruths to dissipate and just disappear. But in the same book, he also talks about the importance of creating parallel structures that are sufficiently attractive that people will veer towards them and neglect the old systems. So you're doing that. You, you've got a parallel parallel structure in your media outlet, Johnny. That's correct. That's correct. Now, before I let you go, Gloria, uh, I want to talk about this book written by the secret professor. It's called The Dark Side of Academia, How Truth is Suppressed. I, I, I think you might have a copy there. Maybe you do. Maybe you don't. Do you have a copy there? Oh, there you go. Okay, great. Um, I was going to say, obviously, you read the book, and, and basically it talks about governments the world over that are funding universities to teach and conduct research. And we want to know, are the universities working for the benefit of the population at large? Tell us a little bit more about what you read in this book, and, and we'll end it on that. Yes, well, this book is published by Truth University Press, just as the other book was. And uh, I would say it's essential reading for anybody who wants to understand what's happening in universities worldwide today. And it's not a good news story, I have to say. Um, um, if um, I just read you one snippet here. Um taken from um, uh, an article that appeared on the website of the World Economic Forum just just um, two years ago in 2022, is this, is this quote. Um, oh, and incidentally, this article was written by a professor at Oxford University, and not just any old professor, but uh, a pro-vice-chancellor for external affairs, which is an extremely senior position at Oxford University. It's, it's very near the apex of that university. And the other professor who co-authored this article that appeared on the WEF website was a professor at Queensland University. And they're writing about the purpose of teaching and research in universities. That's the professor at Oxford, which is the number one university in the world in the league table. Um, Times Higher Education has put them as the number one university for the last seven years running. So here we have somebody very near the top of university, of Oxford University, writing with a professor at Queensland the following. I'm, I'm reading word for word what they say. Through their engagement, teaching and research, universities must redouble their efforts to work alongside corporations, governments and NGOs as they search for new business models and policies to assist the Great Reset, which is, of course, the WEF agenda. So it doesn't really get much worse than that, I would say, Johnny when we find the leading university in the world, and one from Australia, saying that that's the purpose of teaching and research, to serve the great reset, to serve the great reset. Um, 
No, I mean, incredible. Universities, um, according to the Humboldt model from 19th century Germany, are there to develop critical thinking and uh, impartial, impartial examination of evidence. And we've moved a million miles away from that in terms of the vision of these two professors. And in case you're thinking it's just these two professors, I'm afraid, I'm afraid, no, that would be fool's paradise to believe that. Um, because in fact, um, um, there are groupings of universities in the UK and in the US under the leadership of the WEF now. And those uh, groups include the so-called top universities in the UK, Oxford, Cambridge, Imperial College, as they do top universities in the US, such as Harvard, Yale, Princeton, Stanford, McGill, Columbia, Berkeley, and another six universities in the US. Uh, they're all part of WF university groups. Mm. So they're creating so, the next leadership to take over. It, it, it is. It is rather like that. And um, one of the people who wrote an afterward for, the, um, for this book, The um, Dark Side of Academia, How Truth is Suppressed, is Dr. Tess Laurie, who's uh, not only a doctor, but a prolific researcher. And she describes legacy universities, these top universities, as rotted to the core. Uh, so that's her opinion and the, and the opinion of many other people. And what this book does, and I do think it's a must read for anybody, because what it does is it, um, it highlights, uh, how knowledge has been corrupted in a number of different subject areas. So for example, it looks at the story of, um, research by Jacques Benveniste in France. He was the man who, headed a, a big French laboratory in Paris and started doing research on water and came up with the phrase, water has memory. And he um, proved the efficacy of homeopathy through his research. Um, and he was, he was um, bullied out of his job. Um, Nature magazine played a big part in that. And the editor-in-chief of Nature magazine, John Maddox, in particular, played a big part. So he was hounded out of his job for his research findings. But he was indefatigable, uh, Jack Benvenis. He continued his research in a porter cabin outside the building where he used to head up a lab. And then he died in a routine heart operation. And fairly recently, Professor Luc Montaigne uh, replicated Jacques Benveni's work and came up with very similar findings. And he found that he was unable to pursue that research in any French university. It was only in China um, that he was able to pursue his research. So that's, that's one subject that the book looks at. Uh, it also looks at another subject, um, the Great Fire of London, for example. 
so it looks at history. Um, Great Fire of London has uh, was, a, was a, a fire that raged in London in 1666, uh, over several days in September 1666. And historians up to the present day have attributed the fire to human error. Um, I think everybody in school, certainly in, in Britain, is taught um, that it was a baker in Pudding Lane who was responsible for the fire by not putting out the embers in the fire. But actually, what the book shows um, pretty well for the first time is that that was very likely a fire that did not stop by accident. On the contrary, it was very likely a fire that was manufactured, was engineered. Mm. Fair um, enough, yeah. Now, now speaking and- of fire... To tell, can you tell our listeners and, and readers, because we're coming across to the hour point here, can you tell our readers, listeners, how to get that book specifically and how, how can yes. they get a copy of that? Yes, yes. Um, um, this, this, both books, both The um, Dark Side of Academia and um, The Light Bulb Moments and The Power of Critical Thinking can be obtained uh, from Truth University Press. And if you email... This email I'll give you, then you, then you know we'll we'll write back to you and and then send you the book. Um, the email address is info truth university or one word info truth university at protonmail.com, and you can buy one or one or other book or both books together. And okay, perfect. Um, I, we hope that they'll open your eyes to the rotten core at the heart of most universities today and and make you eager to embark on, a, on an adventure to learn at a new university where um, there are no agendas, where critical thinking is at the heart of all discovery and at the heart of all learning. Beautiful. On that note, Gloria, I also want to say to our listeners around the world, um, we got a new VT cup coming out. It's a little bit bigger. You can see their VT radio. Can you see that there? Um, we don't make money off this. I, we only make this available for people because it's a cool cup to have to drink your coffee in the morning. So if you want, it's on our website at vtforeignpolicy.com. Uh, I think they have to pay us like 50 cents profit on it or something. So whatever you're paying the company that makes them, uh, we get like 50 cents. It's not a lot of money. Trust me. So you're, you're, you're not funding us that way, but it's, it's a cool cup. But if you do it's want to fund VT uh, radio, yeah, thank you. Yeah, I like it a lot. <laughs> I drink it every day. Okay. So if you want to fund VT radio or VT foreign policy, remember, uh, we don't get, uh, a lot of sponsorship. We don't have any, no direct sponsor for the VT radio show. Of course, you don't, you don't see a sponsor, do you? Uh, so any way to support us, you can become a member for $8 a month at buymeacoffee.com. It's on our website. You can click on that and, uh, please join because uh, we have to pay for the servers. I had a, a reader the other day say he doesn't like our ads on our site. I'm like, okay, well, okay, fine. I, I go, we have to have some funding somewhere in 2004. The internet was free, but in 2023, nothing's free. We pay for servers, hosting, domain names, plugins, newsletters. You name it, it's, it takes about a thousand US dollars to run VT to keep it online a month. Okay. And that's just the facts. So, so that money has to come from somewhere. And so I asked the guy, did, did you want me to pay for it out of my pocket? He says, well, blah, blah, blah. I go, dude, I go, 
uh, how about I can make it ad free and you can pay $2.99 a month for ad free. And he didn't want to do that. You know, so basically he wants me to pay for it out of my pocket, but he wants it all for free. So I'm like, you know, Hey man, that's not cool. I mean, I, I, I work my butt off here to try to make it, make it work. But man, it, it's not the old days, guys. It's just not. I, I get it. I get it. I want it too. I, I want the old internet back where Google wasn't controlling everything, you know, but that's the way it is. And I'm dealing with it the best I can. So to keep VT foreign policy on the air, keep VT radio on the air costs money. For example, we're on Riverside FM right here. That costs money. They got, they have to get paid. Buzzsprout gets paid. Everybody gets paid, right? The editor gets paid. Um, it is what it is. So please, if you do like free uncensored talk and, and, and not this mainstream media garbage, please just go to our site. Join as a member, pay $8 a month, okay, and help us. Please help us. It's a very important thing to keep VT out there. If you don't, you're going to be stuck with Fox News and MSNBC, and, you know, good luck with that. So that's all I can tell you. But we, we keep us on, on, on the web, okay? So that's what I got to say to all my fans and friends out there. Please buy the cup for your coffee and support us. Gloria, thank you very much for being on VT yep. Foreign Policy and VT Radio. Your, your insights and your, your quality conversation adds to the value of the discourse. I really appreciate it. I want you to have a terrific day and I'll talk to you soon. Okay. Thank you. And you, Johnny. If you enjoyed this presentation, hit the like button now. Also, share it with your friends and don't forget to subscribe so that you don't miss an episode. VT approves this message.